Greetings, shalom, and welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Sean. This week, our Torah portion is interrupted by the Feast of Passover, Pesach. And uh, if you were to go to TorahPortion.org and look at the reading schedule, today we would read, and we will read, from Exodus chapter 12, verses 21 through 51, which is the Passover story in Exodus. Uh, and then we'll read a little bit from the Gospel of John, chapter 19, verses 31 through 20, verse 1. So really, we only have about 30 verses total to read to this morning that deal with uh, the story of Passover. And then my plan for Resurrection Sunday is to rebroadcast a podcast that I did in 2018 uh, talking about the resurrection itself. So that's kind of what is on the agenda uh, for the next couple of days as we as we approach uh, the resurrection and as we talk about Passover. I'm going to try not to rant this morning um, as much as I possibly as much as I possibly can but I kind of you know when you kind of feel it inside like you're like ah, I don't know if I'm going to be able to let this go. Um, one of the issues that I have, I guess I am going to rant a little bit. One of the issues that I have is when we're talking about Passover, uh, within Christianity is I see two groups and both groups miss it horribly. So you have the standard evangelical group, right? Uh, they go to church on Resurrection Sunday, which is completely and utterly appropriate and good and right. And we celebrate the resurrection of Christ, um, which we'll talk about more Sunday morning. Oh, there'll be a podcast about that Sunday morning. And that is all good and well, and we should be doing it. Um, it is one. Of, it is the pinnacle of Christianity. Um, without the resurrection, we've got nothing. Right, we have got no hope if Christ has not been risen from the dead, and that's all good. The problem that I have with that group, though, is that they completely, in many cases, in most cases, at least everything that I've ever experienced with church, they completely ignore the Passover story, which is the whole foreshadow, and Christ is the fulfillment of that whole thing. And I'm like, how do you? How can you guys not? piece these things together uh, you know people don't the average Christian who's who's not well studied in the scriptures not well learned in the scriptures they don't they don't understand that Jesus is that lamb I mean they read it in the gospel but they're not making the connection back to Exodus the other group would be the more Hebraic Hebrew roots type groups they'll they'll get deep into the Passover story, but then they'll neglect the most important thing to Christianity, which is the resurrection of Messiah. And it's like, okay, you, so you're mad because the modern day Christians are celebrating paganism as, you know, they're doing their little Easter egg and Easter bunny for fertility God stuff. And rightfully so, right? Like that's ridiculous. That has nothing to do with Christ. Celebrate his resurrection. Don't do the pagan fraternity god Easter egg nonsense. But then on the other side of it, they just they'll just study 
Passover and the book of Exodus and completely ignore Christ, completely ignore Messiah. So one of the reasons I do the things that I do, uh, like the Torah portions as an example, is because when I read them, I try to make those connections so that you don't just have like a Jewish um, Torah portion study. If you want that, there's plenty of rabbis and uh, teachers out there that just do that. And they're, you know, you can go listen to them and they will only focus on those things. Or you can go, but I'm trying to create a, a situation where you're getting the full story from the Christian perspective. Here's the Hebraic heritage of it all. Here's the foreshadows of it all. Here's the fulfillment of it all in Messiah. So that we can make those connections and understand these things. So anyway, that's my rant for this morning. We're going to read these two stories. And then if you remember in 2020, I put together this little Passover booklet. And I'm just going to read a little bit out of it to end for this morning. So it will not be a real long broadcast. All right, let's begin. And we start by reading. Actually, I'm going to start by reading from the Gospel of John real quick. One of the most important things that we read during this time of year is John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And rightfully so, a beautiful passage. But we need to, we need to put it all in context, right? So... I'm going to read that, but we're going to read more than that. So the story is that you have the Pharisee Nicodemus coming to Jesus by night saying and asking him these questions. And Jesus says unto him in verse 10, you're the master of all Israel and you know not these things. Like how can you be a teacher and you don't understand these things? So let me explain them to you. Verse 11, Jesus says this. Barely, verily, I say unto thee, we speak that we do know and testify that we have seen and you receive not our witness. If I have told you of earthly things and you believe it not, how shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth he that believeth not, he that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son. And this is the condemnation that the light is coming to the world, and the men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For every one that doeth evil hateth the light. Neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in 
God. With that backdrop, let's go start with the Passover story, where it all starts. Exodus chapter 12, we're going to start with verse 21. Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said unto them, Draw out and take you a lamb according to your families and kill the Passover. And you shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and strike the lintel and the two side posts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning. For the Lord will pass through and smite the Egyptians. And when he seeth the blood upon the lintel and on the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come in unto your house to smite you. Please note, this is so basic, but it's, it's not taught in many churches these days. This is the foreshadow. There's severe judgment coming on the Egyptians. They're told to stay in their house, but blood on the wood of the doorpost, just like there was blood on that old rugged cross. And when the destroyer sees the blood of the lamb, those people would be protected. Likewise, if you are covered in the blood because you've trusted in Messiah, you will be passed over for wrath. You will not face eternal judgment. God will see the blood, not your sins. Verse 24, And ye shall observe this thing for an ordinance to thee and to thy sons forever. And it shall come to pass, when you be come into the land which the Lord shall give you, according to as he hath promised, that ye shall keep this service. And it shall come to pass, when your children shall say unto you, What mean you by this service? That you shall say, It is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover, who passed over the house of the children of Israel in Egypt, when he smote the Egyptians and delivered our houses, and the people bowed the head and worshipped. And the children of Israel went away and did as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron. So did they. And it came to pass at midnight. The Lord smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat on the throne unto the firstborn of the captive that was in the dungeon and all the firstborn of cattle. And Pharaoh rose up in the night and he and all of his servants and all the Egyptians and it was a great cry in Egypt for there was not a house where there was not one dead. And he called for Moses and Aaron by night, and he said, Rise up and get you forth from among my people, both you and the children of Israel, and go serve the Lord as you have said. Also, take your flocks and your herds and you, as you have said, and be gone and bless me also. And the Egyptians were urgent upon the people that they might send them out of the land in haste, for they said, We will all be dead men. And the people took their dough before it was leavened, their kneading troughs being bound up in their clothes upon their shoulders. And the children of Israel did according to the word of Moses. And they borrowed from the Egyptians jewels and silver and jewels of gold and raiment. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they lent them such things as they required, and they spoiled the Egyptians. You see, they didn't just leave their captivity broke. They left Egypt with a great spoil. 
gold and silver. Everything they needed. This all happened in a night. This is how quickly the world can change. Right now, all we see is darkness, right? We look out and it's just dark and evil and everything. And we think to ourselves, how could this possibly turn around? With God, anything is possible if you're willing to be obedient. See, they had to be obedient. There was a certain way they needed to eat the Passover. You know, they had to have their shoes on, their cane in hand, and their belt girded like they had to be ready to leave at a moment's notice. And they were blessed, and they left Egypt with a spoil. Verse 37, And the children of Israel journeyed from Ramsey to Sukkot, about 600,000 on foot, and were men besides children. And a mixed multitude went up also with them, and flocks and herds, and even as much as cattle. And they baked unleavened cakes of dough, which they brought forth out of Egypt, for it was not leavened, because they were trussed out of Egypt and could not tarry, and neither had they prepared for themselves any victual. Now the sojourners of the children of Israel who dwelt in Egypt were four hundred and thirty years. And it came to pass at the end of four hundred and thirty years, even the selfsame day, it came to pass that all the hosts of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. It is a night to be much observed unto the Lord for bringing them out from the land of Egypt. This is that night of the Lord to be observed of all the children of Israel in their generations. Now I happen to believe that there's... Well, we, we all should believe that there's going to be a second great rescue where Christ returns. And, uh... You know, that's this is why the Passover story is still relevant and important for Christians today. We need to make these connections. We need to understand these fulfillments. It says, It is night to be much observed unto the Lord for bringing them out from the land of Egypt. This is the nights of the Lord to be observed by all children of Israel and their generations. And the Lord said unto Moses and Aaron, This is the ordinance of the Passover. There shall no stranger eat thereof. But every man's servant that is brought, bought for money, when thou hast circumcised him, then he shall eat thereof. A foreigner and a hired servant shall not eat thereof. And in one house shall it be eaten. Thou shalt not carry forth aught of the flesh abroad out of the house, neither shall ye break a bone thereof. And so that's, see, that's an interesting um, commandment. Don't break any of the bones. Of course, the prophecies say that when the sacrificial lamb is sacrificed, no bones would be broken, right? We're getting ready to read that out of the Gospel of John, chapter 19, here in a second. All the congregation of Israel shall keep it. And when a stranger shall sojourn with thee, and keep the Passover to the Lord, let his male be circumcised, and let him come near and keep it. He shall be as one that is born in the land, for no uncircumcised person shall eat thereof. One law shall be to him that is home-born, and unto the stranger that sojourneth among you. Thus did all the children of Israel, as the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron, they did. And it came to pass, the selfsame day, that the Lord did bring the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt by their armies. So that's our reading for this morning from the book of Exodus. Now let's go to the Gospel of John. We only have like ten verses, if that, to read from here. 
And then we're going to dig into the little booklet here in just a second. I'm just flipping through my Bible here. I don't like to read off the computer. I prefer to just read straight from the Bible. All right, looking for John chapter 19. This is kind of an off-the-cuff podcast this morning, just so you know. John chapter 19. We're looking at starting with verse 31. Yes, verse 31 uh, through, through chapter 20, verse 1. Here we go. The Jews, therefore, because it was the preparation that the body should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day, for that Sabbath day was a high day, besought Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. Why was it a high Sabbath? Because it's Passover. Passover is a high Sabbath. In other words, no matter, regardless of what time of the week that it would fall on, it would be a high Sabbath. So, the Jews, because it was the preparation, they said, okay, you know, Sabbath is getting ready to start. We got to get these guys off the crosses. And they asked the Romans to go break the legs. Verse 32, then came the soldiers and they break the legs of the first and of the other, which was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was dead already, they break not his legs. But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side and forthwith came out there blood and water. And he saw it bare record. And this record is true. And he knoweth that he saith is true, that you might believe. For these things were done, that a scripture should be fulfilled. A bone of him shall not be broken. And then again, another scripture saith, They shall look on him whom they've pierced. You see, even John's trying to point out to his reader, Hey, this is a fulfillment of scripture. Like, you need to go back and read those things. And you'll see that this was already foreshadowed and foretold. Verse 38, verse 38, and after this, Joseph, the Armethia, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for the fear of the Jews, besought Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him leave. He came therefore, and he took the body of Jesus, and he came there also Nicodemus, which at the first came to Jesus by night. So Nicodemus, one of the great uh, Pharisees of the time, well-respected master he was, he's a believer, but him and Joseph, they're both believers, but they're kind of doing it in a secret because they're afraid of the Jews. Maybe they're afraid of their position. We can't uh, go into their hearts and know these things, but what we do know is they showed up this day to make sure the Messiah had a proper burial. And it came also Nicodemus, which we just read about out of John 3, out of John chapter 3. And it came to pass that Jesus, or they came to Jesus by night. They brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes and about a hundred pound weight. And they took the body of Jesus and wound it in linen cloths with the spices as the manner of the Jews is to bury. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new sepulcher wherein was never man laid. And they laid Jesus therefore because of the Jews' preparation day, for the sepulcher was nigh at hand. So, by God's great sovereignty, they had to use this un, this new unused tomb. Why? Because it was close by. Why? Because the preparation for Passover, the high Sabbath was starting. 
They had to get him buried. And then the last verse, the first day, which is actually verse 1 of chapter 20. The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early, and when it was yet dark into the sepulcher, and she seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher. So we have the Passover story. And the fulfillment to that Passover story. In 2020, I wrote this little booklet called Passover 2020, a prophetic time, right? And the, on the title, on the subtitle is, could this be the year of the next great exodus? I wrote this in a one weekend, not even a weekend. It was one day. I put it, wrote it, edited it, created a book cover for it, published it on Amazon. <laughs> this was all in one day. Um, it's not very long. Some of you probably have a copy. I think it's still available. It should still be available on Amazon if you ever want it. My hope is that maybe by next year I can go through, add more content to it, and rewrite it so that it's not about the year 2020, but that it's just about Passover in general with these themes. However, I think there's a couple of uh, things that are written in here that are really relevant to us right now. And so... I'm just going to read some of it if you don't mind. And there's just a little devotional uh, at the end. So in this book, if I go to chapter 3, a prophetic time, I write, I have, I'm not one to argue over rapture doctrines or attempt to predict the return of Messiah. I am, however, one to point out an interesting sign and ask questions in order to get myself and others to think and consider our current situation. As I'm writing these words on April 4th, 2020, we are only a few days away from Passover, which will begin at sunset on April 8th. At this very moment, the world seems to be falling apart around us, and Christians are faced with a very interesting, albeit frightening, challenge right now. Not just Christians, but Christians and non-believers alike. Um, actually, I'm just going to skip through this, because that's not really what I was wanting to read. I wanted to read chapter 4, Jesus, the Passover lamb. Forgive me, let me start over. The Passover we read about in Exodus is also a great foreshadow to what Messiah would do for the whole world, for anyone who would put their faith and trust in him. Jesus was crucified on Passover, and he was a lamb, he was the lamb, without spot or blemish. His blood was shed for all of us so that God might pass over our sins and we might avoid his wrath. Much like the Hebrews had the blood of the lamb on their doorpost in the Exodus story, we too are covered by the sacrificial blood of the Messiah. This is the completion of the Passover story. This is what it's really all about. It's about Jesus, his death and resurrection. It's about him becoming a sacrifice for us all. Not only do we see the obvious foreshadow in the Exodus Passover story, but we see the prophets proclaiming it as well, and then being confirmed by the New Testament letters written by the apostles. In the book of Isaiah, we read, He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before the shearers is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. Isaiah 53.7 And when John the Baptist saw Jesus on the horizon, he proclaimed that Jesus was the Lamb who would take away our sins. John twelve or John 1, verse 29. The next day seeth Jesus coming to him, and he saith, Behold, the Lamb of God, 
which taketh away the sin of the world. The Apostle Paul tells us to cleanse our leaven, which represents sin, that we might become a new lump because of Jesus being the Passover lamb. If we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 7-8, through 8, Purge out therefore the old leaven, that you might be a new lump as you are unleavened. For even Christ is our Passover. Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Therefore let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. This theme runs throughout all the Bible, making it very clear Jesus is the final Passover. He is the Lamb whose blood was shed for us, so that God might pass over our sins and His wrath will not come near to us. I am amazed at how few Christians know and understand the Passover story. After all, it's made clear. Even if you only read the New Testament letter, even Paul tells in, his, in these verses... That we, quote, that we just quoted above, where he says in Corinthians 5, 8, Therefore let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. This is simply because the feasts are rarely taught in churches anymore. Passover has been replaced with a religious Easter tradition. Now I have no problem celebrating Resurrection Sunday and praising God for raising Messiah from the dead, after all, it is because of his resurrection that we now have hope that we will also one day rise. However, I do have a problem with paganism entering the church and Passover being forgotten. It is a great tragedy that many Christians are missing out on the importance of the feast of Passover, its prophetic meanings, and the foreshadows to Messiah. So that's kind of where I rant a little bit um, about that scenario. I just want to read you the devotional, and then I'll be done talking this morning. I apologize that this morning's podcast is so off the cuff and unprepared. Passover devotional. So if you have the little booklet, it's chapter 7. It's only a page long here. Here's the devotional. Hard times have come upon us in the year 2020. Remember, I wrote this in 2020. And much is uncertain. We must, we must remember not to be filled with fear, but to be filled with faith. We must not be filled with despair for the future, but with a great expectation of God's grace and mercy. If you know him and his son, Jesus Yeshua. May we remember the hope which is to be associated with the Feast of Passover. It is the appointed time of Yehovah. Therefore, expect miracles. Passover is a reminder for all believers that our sins have been covered and we will be passed over when the wrath of God is poured out upon this earth. As it is written, For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with Him. 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 9-10 through 10. Here's the, here's the devotional part. Let us remember the Feast of Passover. Let us remember the Feast of Passover as a spring feast. With the season of spring comes a renewal of hope. The grass turns green and the trees begin to bud. The bright sun beats down on our skin, warming us and reminding us better days are ahead. 
while the winter is harsh and hard and cold, spring brings new life and a reminder that summer is near. Be at peace, loved ones. And remember who your God is. He loves us. He has not forgotten nor forsaken us. This Passover, put on your best clothing. Eat a nice meal, including dessert. Rejoice in all that God has done for us and let us have a heart of thanksgiving. Put on your shoes and have your staff in hand for we might be called to leave quickly. However, if this is not the case, let us rejoice nonetheless for God has given us more time to bring in the harvest, more time to live for Him, more time to be grateful and thankful, and more time to be a salt and a light to this hurting world. I'll end with a verse from the book of Habakkuk, chapter 3. Verses 1 and 2, a prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet of Shiganoth. O Lord, I have heard thy speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years, and in the midst of the years make it known, and in wrath remember mercy. That's our Passover study for this year. I hope that you've been blessed this morning and uh, hopefully you were able to tolerate all my rambling this morning, but I hope that the message has come across and that you've been, and I really hope that devotional that I wrote in 2020 that I just read to you, I hope that speaks to your heart and gives you hope. All right. Thanks for listening. Peace and grace be with all of you. And until next time, God bless.